My name is Eva, and this is a history episode. Welcome to part three of the Anarchy. Last time we left off as Matilda, after four years of verbally maintaining her right to the crown of England, finally sailed for England to take with force the throne from King Stephen, and she arrived at Arundel in September 1139 and was received at Arundel Castle by her father's widow, Adelisa of Louvain. By this time, winds of dissatisfaction had swept England throughout that year, from nobles not getting what they thought they were owed, to commoners paying higher taxes than they wished. The land was ripe to receive the fruits of rebellion, and within a few days of her arrival, those who had already fallen foul of Stephen journeyed to Matilda and declared support. This, of course, could not do for Stephen, who moved quickly to lay siege to Arundel Castle and intercept those who might have come to her aid. Now, Matilda was secure enough within the castle, but when skirmishes erupted outside, Adelisa of Louvain declared she would open the gates for Stephen's men rather than risk a prolonged siege and battle. Adelisa's reasons remain obscure, but as a dowager queen with no base of support in England, she was dependent on the anointed king's good graces, even for a roof over her head. And, well, Arundel Castle was a formidable roof over one's head. So Adelisa, one might assume, chose prudence over old friendship and Matilda was asked to leave. In this instant, had Stephen struck as Matilda and her retinue left for Gloucester, the anarchy might never even have happened. Her men-at-arms counted 400 at best, but she had no means by which to secure additional men in case of a battle, while Stephen had an English army at his disposal and reserves to count on. However, in a move that astounded contemporaries as well as later historians, Stephen afforded Matilda safe passage to Gloucester. Why? Well, it was known at the time that Stephen's decision was based on advice offered by his brother, Henry of Winchester, who pointed out that a deadly strike against the daughter of the late king might prove unpopular enough to initiate outright revolt by those whose voices had already rumpled disgruntledly in the autumn winds. Better for Stephen, Henry of Winchester argued, to allow Matilda to reunite with her half-brother Robert of Gloucester, so that Stephen might fight them both with one united army, instead of contending with Robert in Gloucester and Matilda in Arundel. Contemporary chroniclers also considered that Stephen might have allowed Matilda safe passage out of a sense of chivalry, a trait he was known for. But his decision was to puzzle his allies 
and enemies alike for the duration of his fight with Matilda. And this, then, might be a fitting place to halt and examine the character of Stephen, King of England. Who was this man who had his arch-enemy at his mercy, yet ordered his own brother, the Bishop of Winchester, to escort her unharmed through the midst of his men and see her safely delivered to her powerful right-hand man? Well, Stephen was born in either 1092 or 1096 as the fourth son of the Count of Blois, a man who died when Stephen was still a boy when he roared into battle, trying to redeem himself from a reputation of cowardice in the earlier Crusades. Stephen's mother was Adela, daughter of William the Conqueror, and it was she who gave him his Anglo-Norman links. He grew up in the county of Blois, a county in northwest France, whose rulers were some of the most powerful vassals of the King of France. I have included a link in this episode's description, which will take you to the podcast website, where you can see a 12th century map that shows Blois and the surrounding lands, and there's also a rundown of the history of the anarchy so far on this podcast. It will be it will be updated weekly, and there are a few images of places mentioned so far. But back to the story of Stephen. He came into the orbit of King Henry I of England when the latter forcibly wrested control of the Duchy of Normandy from his own brother Robert and then managed somehow to form a, well, somewhat uneasy alliance with the surrounding counties. For yes, King Henry I himself, him of the good rule in England, seized power in England at the death of his brother, William Rufus, and then battled another brother, Robert, to take all their possessions, the Crown of England and the Duchy of Normandy. So his was not a peaceful transition either, and it brought him into direct conflict with the French king. In this conflict, Stephen's family sided with Henry, and Stephen, now in his early youth, moved to Henry's court, partook in military campaigns commanded by Henry, and was in 1117 knighted by the king himself. Stephen acquired titles and huge tracts of land from his marriage to Matilda. And no, that is not his cousin Matilda. Matilda was simply an extremely popular name at the time, so there will be heaps and heaps of Matildas in this story. His wife was a wealthy heiress who further elevated him amongst the Anglo-Norman nobility, and he was well known in those circles by the time of Henry I's death in December 1135, which I covered in the last history episode. Contemporary chroniclers, like the anonymous author of Digesta Stefani, point out that Stephen secured support for his bid for the English throne, in part due to his likability. A man who was known to be affable, humble, 
who might breakfast with common soldier or nobleman alike, a pious man, and a man who upheld the principles of chivalry as well as being a brave soldier and an able commander in the field. In this, most 12th century and modern-day historians agree. But as to his talent in what we today might call statesmanship, well, opinions are ambivalent, ranging from seeing him as a stoic leader and saviour, as the clergy of Durham saw him when he defeated David, King of Scotland, who ravaged their lands in the north part of England. But others saw his ability to be quick to military action, but slow in political decision-making as a weakness, and saw this as the reason why the anarchy lasted for almost 20 years. Many, such as the contemporary historian William of Malmesbury, pointed to his impulsive and sometimes fickle nature as the reason why a number of his friends defected during the course of the anarchy. For he was quick to make friends in peace, but slow in retaining them in war. According to the historian David Crouch, he is, arguably, the most written about medieval of kings, save for King John himself. So, it was this complicated man who agreed to a truce with his enemy, Matilda, allowing her to travel from Arundel to Gloucester and then on to Bristol. It may have appeared to him at the time that her half-brother, Robert of Gloucester, was by far the larger threat, and not much was lost by letting her go, while a whole lot was gained by preventing a drawn-out siege of Arundel Castle that was reputed to be impregnable anyway. But whatever was gained by this was only a temporary respite from all of his problems. As mentioned, the decision confounded those of his allies that were already wavering, such as one Miles of Gloucester, of whom much more will be said later on. Others saw this perceived weakness as an opportunity to press home their own agendas. Such was the case of the powerful northern lord, Ranulf of Chester, who had lost ancestral lands when Stephen gave them over to David, King of Scotland, at the Peace Treaty of 1137. David had, as you might recall, invaded the northern part of England when Stephen took the throne. In the peace that followed, David was granted considerable land in England in order to prevent outright war. Now, those lands conceded to David had been Ranulf of Chester's, and he had not given them over willingly. On the contrary, he had been left nurturing a simmering rage that finally boiled over in 1141 when he moved against Stephen and retook Lincoln Castle, a holding in his former possession. Stephen managed to retake the castle after fierce fighting in which Ranulf had to flee for his life, and he fled right into the arms of Matilda, 
to whom he then swore fealty, and on bended knee he begged her, or some say he demanded she help him retake Lincoln Castle. Her decision would pivot England into war or peace. And this is where I would leave it for today. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a like as it really helps to get the podcast seen as it grows. Until then, I have been Eva and thanks so much for listening.